Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thanks for joining us for the Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. Our spotlight topic for today's podcast will be football. We will join a conversation with George Thomas and the University of Akron's new football coach with hope for a new season and a fresh start for the Zips. But first, here's three things you should know from recent headlines from BeaconJournal.com. Reporter Jim McKinnon took a look inside of Akron area hospitals given the COVID pandemic and the rise in COVID cases here and in the region. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine recently deployed Ohio National Guard's troops to help nurses and doctors assist those who are filling ICU beds and also emergency rooms in the region. Reporters Stephanie Warsmith and Paula Schleiss have another insert in their ongoing series of unsolved murders. This time they looked at the 30-year-old slaying of a couple and their child who owns Steve's Motel in Green. Detectives are shedding new light on this case which remains unsolved. And reporter Mark J. Price took a holiday shopping trip down memory lane. Long before there was Kmart and later Walmart in the Akron area, shoppers had another different kind of department store experience with Clarkins. He takes us back to the day when the Clarkins opened a store in Akron and had to have guards at the door to only let so many shoppers in at a time because there was so much demand for the goods. You can read more about these stories and other stories that by our reporters at the Akron Beacon Journal. You can check out our print edition and also our various apps. And our work. always keep BeaconJournal.com updated. And now for our spotlight story. We join a conversation with our sports reporter, George Thomas, and Joe Moorhead who has recently been named the University of Akron's new head football coach. Moorhead comes to Akron from the Oregon Ducks. So, George, we'll have a conversation about where the Zips are headed and what the future program might look like here in Akron. Part of the really attraction and allure coming back close to home is being at a place that feels like home. So you get off the plane and the wind's biting, you know what I mean? It makes you feel alive. And you just get to a place where it feels familiar, the sights and the sounds, and most importantly, the people. And uh, there's some new and there's some new buildings. We're staying in a, a hotel down near Luigi's. It's, uh, I guess, you know, recently put up. But, but to me, the fabric of a community like Akron, like Pittsburgh, like Cleveland, you know, those things never really, they, they never really change. So there, there's some aesthetic, I guess you would say, improvements and things are a little bit different. But at the end of the day, it's... It's what these towns are about and brought me back. Yeah, there isn't a lot of, you know, the animosity between the two areas, Northeast Ohio yes. and West and, and Pittsburgh. Yes. There really is no difference between the two. It's like looking in a mirror. How much have you been able to look at the team as it stands now? Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming you got had to do some studying prior yeah. prior to the interview. I am. Um, you know, after the job opened up and we started getting involved in the process a little bit, there were a couple of matching games uh, where I had them on the TV in my office or kind of off to the side while we were game planning and had a chance to watch, I believe, the Western Michigan game. 
-hmm. and it may have been one other. Um, you know, I haven't been able to take a deep dive into it, and I'll do that. You know, in the interim here, where I'll go back and watch each game individually, offense, defense, and special teams. And I don't want to say that they're not far off, but but to be competitive in a game like Western Michigan and some of the others, I always think that the pieces are going to be in place. And uh, you never want to judge a team off what another coach has done, and that's not right, wrong, or different. But to me, the um, it's the ability to take the ingredients that are on the team and the players, you know, add some new guys either through the portal or through recruiting, and then immerse them in your culture. So, uh, I mean, they won two games. They were competitive in others. First of all, in the portal, right. um, how aggressive do you plan to be in that area? Yeah, I think we, we plan to be very aggressive as, as the uh, situation warrants. Uh, I don't think you just want to take a transfer kid for the sake of taking a transfer player. You know, obviously a lot of them you know, have been in other schools and they have, you know, game experience and, you know, something's dictating a change for them, which I, I do believe the one-time transfer exception for student-athletes was absolutely the right decision. I know there's some hand-wringing and some pearl-clutching about it. it it's going to, you know, roster management, all those things. The kids deserve this, and we all want to talk about what's right for the student-athlete. You know, that was what was right for the student-athlete. That being said, you know, we're going to examine our roster and see, you know, what our strengths are, you know, where we need areas of improvement. And I think with the transfer portal, you can address immediately immediate needs almost like taking a JUCO player where, where they played at a higher level or played football at the college level, and they could come in and maybe be a little bit more uh, ready to play from an immediacy standpoint than necessarily a high school kid. So we're, we're going we're gonna to strike a balance. Now, which way it, it, it kind of leans will really depend on availability and need. You're coming from a school, for lack of a better term, has Nike money. Yeah, they do. How do you leverage NIL? in a school like this, or even, do you even consider it? Um, I think that's an interesting question, and, and being an assistant rather than the head coach at Oregon, you know, that wasn't something that I necessarily had a lot of uh, exposure to. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, um, you know, our players, I think that, like, once again, like, talk about the one-time transfer exception, I think, that, you know, this rule is something that from which the players can benefit, and uh, if there's anything that we can do to help them individually or things or are, you know, let's say sponsorships, th things that can be made available through for people who want to, you know, utilize our guys and their and their name, their image, their likeness. We'll we'll uh, we'll certainly, you know, be in favor of that. But in terms of something that's, you know, happening broad strokes here at Akron with our guys, I I, I really can't speak on that yet. Offensive philosophy. Right. Look at some stats. Now I've been I've been told you favor an explosive offense. Yep. Then I see stats and it's like. Oregon is number five in rushing this yeah, year. Yeah. <laughs> we, now there's explosive runs too. Those, those, I, those, like those, well, I think I think this is the best way to explain it. You know, we, um, you know, and, and I, it's kind of cool. Of the, of two of the last three Broyles Award winners were guys that were on my staff, my offensive staff at uh, Penn State. You know, Josh Gaddis just won it at Michigan, and Joe Brady won it when he was at LSU. But uh, you know, we want to we want to be a multi-tempo off offense that combines a West Coast-based pass game that takes more shots down the field than that style of offense, you know, with an RPO-based run game. And uh, we want to be able to play as fast as we need to play or, or at times slow as we need to play to get in the best look possible against uh, the defense presented rather than running a bad play quickly. So I think our, our ability to play a bunch of different tempos, I think that benefits us. I want to strike a balance because I think when you are 50-50 and the, the defense has to def defend every blade of grass and every person on the field, you know, I think it makes you harder to defend, but um, I also understand it's a personnel game. 
you know, and at, at Oregon, you know, we leaned a little bit more towards the run because number one, that's the head coach fought. You know, Mario wanted to run the ball, and, and we were good at it. Uh, and AB was, you know, our, I'm sorry, Anthony Brown, our quarterback, you know, completed his highest percentage of passes in his career. He was up near 65. You know, ran for almost 700 yards. We had a thousand yard rusher, and closed in on a thousand yard receiver. But you know, you know, multi-tempoed, uh, balance between run and pass. I uh, want to be explosive, but uh, you know, we we will. The play calling will lean towards what we do best. So we could say we want to throw the ball all day, but if if we can't protect and we can't get open and we can't complete it, then you know we're not going to do that. Same time, you say you want to establish a run, but if it's, that's not something you do when you throw better, then you got to lean towards that. What type of quarterback do you favor? Dual threat. I do. Threat. I do. I do. And I think in this day and age, and you look at uh, style of offenses in college and the successful ones, and, and really trickling up to the next level. You want a guy, and in my opinion, when I evaluate quarterbacks, a guy that can beat you with his brain, he can beat you with his arm, and he can beat you with his legs. You got to be smart. You got to be able to, you know, understand our offense, how defenses are, are attacking us, and how we're going to exploit that. You got to be able to deliver the ball accurately with a, with a, you know, certain level of arm strength. But what we do in the run game, you know, in the decision making and the RPOs, and the quarterback who's able to run the ball, and uh. You know, create explosives by design or improvisation. You know, that's something that you're seeing at every level now. And you know, you look at Lamar, you look at Patrick Mahomes, you look at some of these guys, uh, and even you know, uh, you know, the Ritter kids. I mean, I mean, there's guys. It really makes it much more difficult for a defense to defend when the quarterback can run the ball. That's why you guys beat Ohio State. Yeah. What's What's the philosophy there? Attacking? I, yeah, or- I, I'm in the process of hiring a coordinator, so obviously he's going to have a uh, tremendous amount of input and since I'm going to call the plays and run the offense he'll have a, a level of autonomy on that side of the ball where, where he's really got to be you know as James Franklin said to me at Penn State he want to be the head coach of the offense I want this guy to be the head coach of the defense uh, I've always favored a four down base front uh, that can get into three down looks uh, by stemming because I, I know from an offensive standpoint that makes blocking rules and protection a lot harder uh, I do like an odd pressure package on third down but like we talk about offense, I want our defense to dictate, you know, the flow of the game. So I'm not a sitting four down and play quarters and, you know, kind of just keep it in front of you kind of guy. That's not my mentality on offense. and That's not going to be my mentality on defense. So we want to be aggressive, be smart. But uh, I think offenses are becoming too good in this day and age to sit back and just play base. I think you got to you pressure and try to create negative plays. What kind of timetable? do you have here in terms of flipping it i've heard now obviously i've talked to charles and through the process he said there have been plenty of guys who said you're almost there but you're not there yeah so i think it goes back to your original question you know what do you think of the team i i think you know obviously you have short-term mid-range and long-term goals obviously the long long-term one is to you know, win the Mac and, and go to a great bowl and win that. But, uh, you know, that's so far down in the, in the, in the, in the future right now. And I'm not saying it's not a goal, but we've got to learn how to work. We've got to learn how to pay attention to detail. We've got to learn how to be, uh, you know, physical, right? play with great togetherness. And, and to me, it's, you know, you heard Bill Walsh a long time ago talk about, you know, the process comes before the prize. Uh, so I, I want to see us, and not to to dodge a number, but I want to see us become learn how to compete. 
right? Because uh, I, I think fans can understand you come out and, you know, they want to see a team that's fighting. They want to see a team that's playing hard. They want to see a team that's going to be in it till the end. So I want to improve the wins from a number standpoint immediately. You know, what that is year one, I mean, it's been three wins in two years. So it's hard for me to say, yeah, I want to go out and win six the first year or eight the first year or ten. I want to win all 12. Uh, you know, but how far we are away from that, I think, is something that's a little to be determined until I get, get a hold of the team. I don't know how much you've kept up with the program here over the years. Obviously, you've been busy during this. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but does it shock you that they weren't able to continue the momentum? The JD, we had, you weren't here for the for when this place opened. Yeah, everything seemed to be lining up for this to yeah. become basically, for lack of a better comparison, NIU in some respects. Yeah, yeah. and I know JD had done a great job, and uh, you know I had left prior to that that last season and, and gone on to UConn. Um, you know, and, and, and coach, you know, they made a decision to move on from coach, and I still talk to him. He's a great guy, and I think you know. As you look back now from a historical context, you know, his tenure here is one that's, you know, probably looked on a little more favorably from 30,000 feet than maybe it was uh, back then. Back then, And, uh, you know, we played Akron when I was at Penn State. And, uh, you know, Coach Bowden, I think they won the East in 17, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Uh, seven, was it yeah, 17? Yeah. And we, that's the year we, play, we played at uh, Penn State. So I, I know there had been kind of some up, up, up well, so go back. Coach Ionello was before Coach Bowden, right? Yes. Coach Ionello, Coach Bowden, and then Coach Arth. And there, there's just – there's been highs, there's been lows. Uh, but, you know, what we're looking for is that steady consistency. And I think that's the thing that, that Coach Brookhart was – had achieved and was trending towards. Uh, and then, like I said, as you follow, it's it's just been – it's been some peaks and peaks and some valleys. And we, we, we need to take it out of the valley and get it up high and, and continue to ride that momentum. What do you consider earning respect – this fan base getting their respect back, this program getting its respect back? I think, it's, I think it's two things. I think one is subjective and one is objective. I think the subjective part is coming out, supporting the team, and uh, seeing a program that is well-prepared, that plays hard every snap, that pays great attention to detail, and is going to compete for 60 minutes. And I think there is a uh, – this is a part of the country – Okay. that is knowledgeable and it's football understanding and is also very passionate. So they get it. So that would be part one, to look to look at it and it passed the eye test, that we are doing the right things and we're putting a team on the field that's prepared and ready to play and compete. That would be the subjective part of it. The objective part is, is increasing our win total, right, and steadily working until we're able to compete for a MAC championship. It looks like the clock has run out on this week's podcast. Be sure to join us Again, next week or thereabouts, podcasts are released every Wednesday wherever you download your favorite podcasts and also available on BeaconJournal.com and all our various apps. Before we go, we have to thank our producer, BJ Liskow, for his help in making this possible. And we urge you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber. If you've already signed up, you have our heartfelt thanks. Until next week, now you know Akron.